Hey guys, welcome to American Talk. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to say that I just dropped some merch. So go to teespring.com slash stores slash American Dash Talk to go get yourself a t-shirt, long sleeve shirt, hoodie. Um, if you don't want to do that, you can always just donate a flat amount of money to paypal.me slash American Talk. Also, I wanted to say that the podcast is now on iTunes. So go to the Apple iTunes app on your phone and search my name, Wyatt Gills, and subscribe, and now you can listen to the audio versions of the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Drew Hernandez via video call. Drew is the creator and host of the Instagram account and YouTube channel, Lives Matter, with almost 100,000 views on YouTube and over 30,000 followers on Instagram. Welcome, Drew. Thanks for coming on the podcast. What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. Super excited, super stoked. We're finally able to get this done. Of course. Uh, for the viewers that don't know who you are, can you kind of tell them what it is you do? Well, I am obviously very, very uh, politically engaged in our political situation right now in the United States. Um, I started a YouTube channel um, a few months ago last year, um, just kind of engaging people, man-on-the-street type interviews um, with certain social a political, you know, issues that are going on in the United States, um, from, you know, Donald Trump, all the way to, you know, transgender bathrooms, all the way to abortion, just really hard, hard, hard issues that uh, need some some answers and need some facts. And so that's kind of what I do in a nutshell, uh, I go out on the streets, um, Los Angeles, Hollywood, I go to protests, uh, go all over the place, just talking with people that disagree with me and sharing them facts, capturing footage, and just, you know, kind of exposing it through Instagram and YouTube. And, you know, people have just been resharing our content all over the place. And it seems like it's something that, you know, is really being beneficial to our, you know, political climate here in the United States of America. Yeah. And you just recently started uh, speaking at high schools. Am I correct? Actually, no. I've actually been speaking in high schools for the past five years um, in okay. a different organization. So I've been public speaking for a while now, um, but it hasn't been as of recent that I've actually been getting extremely more, I, I guess if people want to call it political, whatever, I, I don't I don't consider issues of like abortion and human trafficking issues of politics. Those are like humanitarian issues. And uh, I speak on them because I believe they need some truth. And so, yeah, I've, I've been speaking in high schools for the past few years, um, but now I'm kind of getting more um, on a political note as well on these types of issues in high schools as well, so. All right, so when they, when you uh, speak at a high school, do they throw an assembly for you where it is mandatory for every student to attend, or is it something that they do after school? Um, it's something that's done during lunch, okay. predominantly, um, depending if it's like a Bible club or if it's some type of club that wants to invite a outside guest speaker. Because usually the way the clubs work in high schools is they have to be student-led, and mm -hmm. the students have their own rights to bring in you know different speakers that would like to you know, speak on issues in their club. And it usually has to be in like a private assembly, whether it's in a gym or whether it's in a, uh, an enclosed uh, classroom or an auditorium, wherever it may be. And that's kind of how it happens. And they promote it throughout the week. And I get to come out and just, you know, the kids have to come on their own free will. So yeah. that's kind of usually how they do it. And people come, they come. Yeah, from the pictures on your Instagram, it seems like you get pretty big crowds at high schools. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good turnout. And I have the opportunity to speak to a lot of young minds and that's kind of like my thing right now, you know? Yeah. Um, my next question for you is where do you see lives matter in the future? Man, um, 
honestly, I really do pray and I do want to see it expand um, past just me yeah. hitting streets. I, I, I definitely would like, what I would like to see is um, college students, high school students, even if it's not under the banner of Lives Matter, um, I would like to see them do what I'm doing, um, starting their own channels, you know, starting their own movements, um, just kind of like hitting their college campuses or hitting their high school campuses and, you know, interviewing people and just kind of like infiltrating, you know, society and our culture in this way, I believe is really effective. And then when you amplify it on social media, you just get thousands of eyes that see it. And it's, I think it, it brings up conversations in our media that, you know, even mainstream media isn't really kind of like bringing to the table. And, you know, beyond Lives Matter, I would like to see so many other kids kind of like get into this game as well and get into this political fight as well. Um, but for me personally, um, I honestly would just like to see as far as I can really take this. Um, I would like to see it, you know, whether it be like an internet um, TV station like Louder Crowder or something like that, yeah. you know, Blaze or CRTV. But, you know, whatever God has for me, I just mm -hmm. like to take it as far as I can and see how far I can get my voice out. For sure. Um, I want you to uh, transition now to the main reason I had you come on the podcast. Okay. And I was to talk about human trafficking and sex yeah. trafficking at the southern border. From what I've seen, you're one of the only people who has a large influence that is actually talking about this issue. Why do you think that is? Um, to be honest, I think a lot of people are just misinformed. Um, when I use the word ignorant, I'm not saying that they're stupid. I'm just saying that you don't have information regarding this issue. And I think a lot of people are ignorant to what's really going on at the southern border um, because it really is a national emergency. It, it, it is a problem. There are thousands. Listen, people people will be like, you know, and I was experiencing this at the Young Latino Leadership Summit where people were coming up to me and saying, you know, well, the numbers are decreasing over the years. Uh, you know, the numbers are going down. And it's like, but the numbers are still in the thousands and they might be going down but one is too many, yeah. um, two is too many, three is too mm -hmm. many. And I believe we should build a wall, even if it were for one little girl's life to not be raped and to be saved. And so that's just my view, but I believe it truly is a problem. And I think the reason why a lot of people aren't speaking on it, um, if I could say on the right or in the conservative arena or libertarian arena is, I think they honestly just haven't been informed yeah. or they just aren't willing to speak out on such a serious issue. I really can't say or speak for them, but that's kind of what I see. And I see a lot of conservatives that are just afraid to speak the truth, not just on these issues, but on everything. And I'm just sick of it. So, Yeah, I totally agree. Um, for people like me who don't know a whole lot about human trafficking at the border, could you kind of explain how big of a problem it is? It is a serious problem. You have statistics um, from the State Department, the DOJ, where at least on any given year, between 15 to 20,000 women, including children, are human trafficked annually, internationally. Um, and through the southern border, you have coyotes that not only, this has been uh, a situation that unfolded as of this year in January 2019, where the Rendon Reyes crime family was actually prosecuted by the DOJ. Their entire human trafficking enterprise was brought down um, in January 2019 and what they would do is they would lure little girls as young as 14 years of age over the southern border 
Um, they would lure them, promise them marriages, promise them, you know, prosperity in America, pro promise them, you know, romantic, you know, endeavors, all kinds of crazy things. Um, but they were getting sucked into a human traffic prostitution ring, and it was absolutely horrible. And what was interesting is some girls as young as 14, um, it came out in the reports in the DOJ that these little girls were forced to perform as many as 45 sex acts a night. Wow. That's horrendous. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That's evil. That's too much. That's, that's, that's just, I can't imagine having to live through something like that. And some of these girls were forced to have abortions. Um, some of these girls were forced to forsake their families. Their, 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 um, families are, are, are threatened. Some of these girls are physically assaulted, obviously living this kind of life. And it's very sad and it definitely is a problem. And I can't see how anyone, whether you're a libertarian, a Democrat or a Republican, can't take a look at this and your heart just not break. Um, mm -hmm. Because it definitely is a massive problem at the border. It's thousands of women, including children. And it's definitely a problem because what happened with the Rendon Reyes crime family is when they prosecuted these men in the United States of America, thank God, um, they literally came out and they admitted that the reason why they were so successful was because they took advantage of the weak southern border uh, United States immigration system. They knew that the border was weak. They knew that they could get away with these kinds of things because we have such a weak immigration system that's deteriorating and falling apart at the U.S. border. And even border agents are all coming out and admitting this, that they need tighter security. They definitely want the wall, but they definitely want funding and higher technology so that they can protect the wall. That's another conversation we'll get into. But it's definitely a problem. Um, thousands of women are being raped, including children. It's, it's so sad, bro. Like even some of the uh, parents, this is another conversation I think we need to have. Um, some of the parents that send their children, they force their children across the southern border some of the girls, they'll, they'll give them, you know, those abortion pills, contraceptive pills, so they can't get pregnant on the journey because the parents know if we give our daughters these pills that will cause them to not be able to get pregnant, we know that we have to do this because they're going to get raped on the way. It, it's such a sad situation because, you know, yeah, make sacrifices, but no little girl, no child ever has to experience being raped just to get to the United States of America. That's why there has to be some type of form where they do it legally. I mean, if it, if it were for me, I would never force my children. I would never force my daughter to be raped just to get into the United States of America. I would do it legally so we can all be safe. Even if it took 10 years, 20 years, my, my child is not worth getting raped um, just to expedite her getting into the United States. I would wait 20 years if that's what it took to keep her safe. So these parents know that their kid is going to get raped, but they still send them over to America? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's crazy. Yep. Yeah. If there's anyone that knows um, what's going on with the sex and human trafficking situation in Mexico, it's going to be the Mexican people. Um, they are very well aware of what's going on in the southern border, but they are just doing it anyways, whether it's for publicity, um, whether they're that desperate to get their uh, kids here, get citizenship. We don't know. All we know is that it's happening. And there are multiple, multiple accounts of even Border Patrol agents. It's very interesting that we'll come across not just 10 people, not just 20 people, but sometimes up to 80, 90 people that have crossed the border illegally. And sometimes you have agents that are like one, two agents, 
versus like 80 people and they get into gun showdowns and it's a very violent situation and there's children and it's a very sad situation because there are some evil, evil enterprises that are at work across the southern border and they've admitted to taking advantage of our weak southern border immigration citizen, uh, excuse me, weak immigration southern border system. Is uh, most of the sex trafficking uh, by one group of of just a crime group or is it multiple or is it just random? That's the problem. There's multiple. Um, the cartels are definitely in charge. They're definitely running things. Um, and this is just the, the human trafficking conversation that these uh, criminals and evil men and in some cases women are involved with. We, we can talk about the heroin and the opioid crisis. That, that's a whole other conversation that these guys are getting involved through the yeah. southern border. But um, yeah, they are. There's definitely more than one. Um, and what's interesting as well is the way that these human sex trafficking enterprises work is the people that are luring these little girls into the United States. They're not Americans. They're actually illegal immigrants that come into this country illegally, strategically so that they can be used as another point of contact to lure these girls into the United States. And that's another conversation that needs to be taken place because not only are there illegal immigrants coming into this country illegally um, and murdering people, that's why we have so many angel moms and all of these families that are experiencing devastation, but we also have illegal immigrants and criminals coming into this country to literally be strategically placed there to abduct little girls and abduct women and children. And that is absolutely horrendous. And I don't understand why that conversation is not out in the mainstream media. An argument that I've heard against the wall is that most of the human trafficking is coming through checkpoints. Is that true? Um, you could make the argument that most of the human trafficking is coming through checkpoints, but it's definitely coming from points of entry, obviously. Mm -hmm. But the majority of these sex trafficking enterprises are taking people through places where there is no protection, where there are no border patrol agents, where there are no um, any rule of law or any barrier of such to get them, you know, to stop doing what they're doing. You could, there are so many border patrol agents. There are many, um, famous ones that are coming out now, especially the ones that are surrounding around Donald Trump, that what's happening is they'll come across even vans of packed women that are coming across just to get in and the catch release. And a lot of them will admit what is very dangerous, um, actually what was talked about at the Young Latino Leadership Summit was that there are a lot that do go uncounted for. There are a lot of people that get smuggled into the country that go uncounted for. And what was very heartbreaking, what I, uh, what was told to us at the summit as well at Turning Point USA at the Young Latino Leadership Summit, uh, one of the Border Patrol agents that has been doing this for decades, he said he had an experience where they found um, a group of people, human traffickers, um, they were all Mexicans, they were all coming across the border, and he said it got so bad where it was getting to the point where when these little girls were being raped and they would show up that these men that were raping them, that were human trafficking them, they weren't even, you know, running away any longer. They weren't even, you know, trying to fight back or anything. What was beginning to happen is they would actually do it faster so that they can rape these little girls as quickly as possible because they saw them coming. It's, it's, it is a situation that is increasing in evil. It's a situation that's increasing where 
there are ports uh, in the southern border that are absolutely open. Charlie Kirk, founder of Turning Point USA, just did a video where he went down to the southern border and there are sections that are completely wide open. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Border Patrol agent in that video um, let us all know and let Charlie know that these are the uh, these are the very locations that are wide open where these human traffickers, especially the drugs, are pouring straight into the southern border as well. What do you say to the argument that if we build the wall, the human traffickers will just funnel all of it to more of it to the checkpoints? Well, I think I think what needs to take place is this. Um, in 2006, during the Bush administration in Yuma County, Arizona, the southern border, they funded a border wall, a border fence, which, by the way, Democrats voted on and passed. Um, so when they built that, as time went on, crime went down at the southern border, including human trafficking, between 92 and 96 percent. Um, you can find that out anywhere. That's all over. You can fact check me on that. You just That's a simple Google search. It's all over the place um, when they did that study. And that's just one of many um, southern border um, experiments, I guess you could say, where they built a wall and crime has significantly gone down. Now, the reason why I believe that building a wall would be very beneficial for the United States is on every aspect of every location on the southern border obviously there's locations where you know you can't literally physically build a wall there's locations that are already barricaded up with you know um, natural um, places like the mountains or the, the hills or whatever they have down there as well but if you build a wall crime does go down that's statistically proven and yeah. i'm not only an advocate for the wall i'm also an advocate for funding technology and funding ICE and funding the United States Border Patrol, increasing agents, increasing their technology. If it's such a bad situation where I truly believe it is a national emergency, I believe we should increase funding. We should increase um, technology. We should increase weaponry, especially for our Border Patrol agents to be able to secure our southern border as best as physically possible. Um, I believe a wall will also kind of make their jobs a little easier um, mm-hmm. instead of just having to deal with completely wide open um, points of entry, yeah. which would make it a lot harder um, in that situation. So, Okay, the final thing I want to ask you is how do you feel about Trump declaring a national emergency to build the wall? Do you think that was the right idea, the right way to do um, it? Yeah, I absolutely do. Like I said earlier, um, you know, I was asked this question. Uh, I spoke at the Young Latino Leadership Summit this past weekend, and I was asked this mm-hmm. very question, and, and my response was, um, well, do you think, do you think that 15, 18 to 20,000 women and children sex trafficked and human trafficked across the southern border is a problem? Mm-hmm. Um, and I do. And I think that the Democrats, I think that the left um, have had enough time to meet Trump at the table. Um, obviously, we just went through this entire government shutdown. Um, there is not a manufactured, there is not a fake national emergency crisis that Donald Trump is cultivating. Because um, in my personal opinion, again, I will say one, one little girl, human sex trafficked across the border is enough, in my opinion, to call a national emergency. Um, because if it were me, I would be dying for someone to do something like that for me. I would be dying for someone to call some type of emergency when my life is being threatened and when my life is literally being put in a place where I'm being raped and I'm being treated like some type of animal for some sexual pleasure for some nasty, disgusting man. Um, And I truly believe that 
one is enough. And if anyone disagrees with me, I don't know how the hell you could live with yourself because the statistics, whether it's one, one million, 1,000, that's enough to call in a, a national emergency in a humanitarian way to save some lives and to build the wall and to increase technology so we can save some little girls' lives, especially women and children that are not even seeking asylum. They're literally being abducted and forced um, against their will to come to this country and they're being raped. And so um, I believe he should have done it a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think it's absurd that, you know, Democrats on the left are, you know, calling him Hitler and calling him an authoritarian when, you know, he's not the first president in United States history to call a national emergency. Bill Clinton <laughs> called more. Yeah. Um, Bill Clinton called more. Excuse me. Bill Clinton called more. Obama called more. George Bush yeah. called more. Um, so it doesn't make sense to me that out of nowhere, you know, they're calling Donald Trump some type of authoritarian maniac that's cultivating national emergencies when we genuinely do have one at the southern border. And it's about time. I think he should have done it a long time ago, but I'm glad he's finally done it. Why do you feel he waited till his uh, third year in office? I think Trump understood there's a lot of lawsuits that come into this. Um, and you're dealing with a president that is probably, in my personal professional opinion, is going to go down as the most controversial president in American world history. That's my own opinion. Um, but based upon what we've seen in just three years, I think we could safely say that. So we have to understand that Donald Trump is not doing things um, just shooting at the hip. He's surrounded around a lot of men that are extremely intelligent. He's surrounded around a lot of men that are making decisions um, looking in the long term, looking in longevity. And so a lot of decisions that are being made in the Trump administration are decisions that are made looking in the long term. Um, I believe that they've known that this is a solution that they would have to come to, but it wasn't a solution that they wanted to come to based off of all of the controversy. And the administration already has enough controversy as it is. And so I think that's why Trump, um, he held his ground during the government shutdown. It wasn't an easy thing to do. It wasn't a very you know popular thing to do. But it was something he had to do in order to put the Democrats in a position to come to the table, and they didn't want to budge. So I don't know if the left didn't think that he would have the balls to call a national emergency. Um, I knew that he did. I just knew that you know the art of the deal. Donald Trump is very, very, very good at playing chess, especially in the political and financial world, um, dealing with people. And I think this has been a game of chess, and he's finally, finally played his uh, his move next by calling the national emergency. And I personally think that, you know, they've been having to do this very strategically. That's why when he came out and he announced it, you can kind of hear, we're going to call a national emergency. Mm -hmm. We're going to get sued. We're going to do this. We're going to have to go. Like they have it all already kind of pre-planned because they understand the implications that comes with this. But Trump has more information that I do regarding this human trafficking. And mm -hmm. as the president of the United States, if it were me, I would have called this a long time ago. One is too yeah. many. And, you know, this is something that needed to be done. And I know a lot of millennials, a lot of young people are, you know, kind of like, well, was it the right thing to do? You know, it was going to trigger the left. It was, you know, lawsuits. Like, listen, honestly, being a world leader, being a leader in general, there are going to have to be some hard decisions you have to make, whether people like it or not. And I believe this is one of them. And this is why I voted for Donald Trump, because we needed a man in the White House that can make decisions like this and get it done. For sure, man. I want to thank you again for coming on my podcast. 
And if you want to plug into your social medias, you can. Yeah, guys, man, thank you for having me, guys. Yeah. Um, you guys can follow me. Uh, my main following is on Instagram at Lives Matter Official. Um, also on YouTube, just search Lives Matter, Lives Matter Official, or Lives Matter Drew Hernandez. You guys will find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Reddit, all that other stuff as well. But Instagram, YouTube is kind of where my main following is. So, yeah. 